Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to 80s entertainment and beyond. I'm your host, Michael, and Mindy's on the other side. Yo, good job. Fucking yeah! Two for two! <laughs> Longest ever. Uh, I don't expect to go three for three. <laughs> um, this episode will be discussing the 20th anniversary of Bubble Boy and Donnie Darko. Yeah, weird combo, but it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, so that's the connective tissue right there. Um... Let's talk about the easy one first, while my brain warms up. Bubble Boy. <laughs> um, not a good movie, but a fun movie. What do you mean, not a good movie? Uh, <laughs> I can't tell if you're being serious or not. Okay, listen. Does it make any sense? I don't think so. What's it about? I don't fucking know. Is it good? I think so. Yeah, I it... think that it, I think it just, it confuses me enough to think it's good. Here's, I'm not sure or not. It's the performances. I don't think the script is really there. I love road trip adventure movies, though, don't you? Wait, we're talking about Bubble Boy. Bubble Boy, yes. Road trip adventure movies, I think, are the best for a person like me with severe attention issues. Because um, every five minutes, you get another story. You get to introduce yourself to a new character. Okay, Bubble Boy, yes. Okay, for some reason, I know you said let's start with Bubble Boy, and I still was thinking Donnie Darko. So... Is Bubble Boy a good movie? No, it's not, but it's fun. And yes, I think that he really commits. Everybody really commits. Sort of like, oh, I'm going to make a reference that you don't understand because you still haven't fucking watched this movie, Hocus Pocus. No, no, I watched it two years ago. Okay. Four years ago? Four years ago. Not really a that good of a movie, but it's the commitment to the role <laughs> that really sell it. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I don't. I'm looking at the way these are filmed, and I'm almost certain that Donnie Darko was shot first. So this must have been to cleanse his palate. He wanted something fun and silly to and to change up because he's he's in his early days, and he wants to kind of give a wider spectrum of what he can do and show us and directors what he's capable of. And he comes off this really dark, deep movie, and then goes into something completely silly. And I don't think he's ever done another comedy again, has he? I mean, to be fair, I also don't know that he really had the ability to be terribly choosy when he was, you know, 19, 20 years old or whatever. No, but I mean, over the last decade, it's almost all dark movies. No, He's really no I'm just no. saying, I, no, he, you know, he is more of a, a dark, serious actor. I dare say the closest thing to comedy that he's done since is Far From Home. Yeah, but, but is his character funny? I mean, it, it's it's lighter. Okay. But but only in the times that when he finally shows the facade, it's has some funny moments. But no, otherwise, I say no. He does. It's he doesn't do comedy. You know, he does. He does strange. He does troubled young man. He does dark. He does angry. He does action he does violence yeah i don't know it's it's I'm, I'm just thinking about his early run so his first really breakout role was october sky correct yeah and then there's a two-year gap where he has this and donnie darko almost on top of each other which i think donnie darko if i remember correctly had played the festivals in early january uh and that would got all the buzz which later yeah, next I... year is what i'm pretty sure donnie darko is what got him the good girl and moonlight mile Bubble Boy really didn't do anything for him. That might also be something he's shy of ever attempting comedy again, especially broad comedy, because this failed so poorly. The weird thing is, okay, so I think that Donnie Darko actually filmed in like 99 or so, 
you know, a couple of years before it came out. I feel like there is a strange connection, though, between Jimmy and Donnie, though. There's, like, this weird innocence, like, in both characters that I kind of see uh, him playing them sometimes similarly. Uh, I don't know if you see the comparison that I'm referring to, but there's some kind of, I don't know, like awkward innocence there. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's more. I don't, I don't see it. But with me, uh, I, I feel like there's a naivete, of course, in Bubble Boy because he's cut off from the world. He seems wiser than his years and something is going on behind those eyes that he wants to fuck with the system. I don't think an innocent. Or maybe he's just an angry youth and he doesn't understand the repercussions doing. Maybe in that way, yes. Maybe, maybe. But uh, Bubble Boy is just this big, huge farce. It is not cheap. I looked. Back then, you could always, always tell when there's a special effects shot that's like, ooh, that has an age too. There's some stuff in this. Very good stunt work, some good, uh, I don't know if it's CGI shots or what, but especially with like the bubble flying into Niagara Falls. I oh, just yeah. think they must have put a decent amount of money into this. It can look good. And they, I really miss this era of really bright, shiny, shot on film uh, kind of movie that I'm nostalgic for, of course, because nostalgia is a lie because you just want to be younger. <laughs> That's it. It's really not an era of filmmaking that's better than others, but it's just your craving. I don't know where I was going I, with that. Oh, I don't know. I I just think, yeah, that this there was a time around that, this period that they were doing lots of, you know, it's more silly, uh, just goofy stuff that is lighthearted and kind of sweet, you know, right. even if it's kind of even if it's also kind of dumb. When is the last time you saw a comedy successful in theaters? I feel like everything's TV now, like or street. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> oh my god, that was almost a decade ago. Dear Lord. Um. Uh. What's the bad moms? Set bad. Okay, yeah, it's just it's been years. But yeah, this is during that wave of. Uh, teen movies that exploded after American Pie. This is one of the few, though, that isn't R-rated. That it has sexual jokes, but it skirts that, you know, just so it can make it under the mm -hmm. PG-13. It's so sweet and silly that I think if they had made it R-rated, it would have ruined. Yeah. Um, we also have. I think this is my introduction to Marley Shelton. I think she might have been. In, was she in Pleasant? Mm, I think so. She actually was in a lot of movies around this time. Um, I can't tell you which ones. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just like... think she's just a, a very uh, fun, uh, interesting, and doesn't seem as generic. Like back then, there were so many just like who's a, who's the person on TV right now that we can cast and you know some generic. Yeah, and I think my that... introduction to her was she's the hot um, but, uh, lifeguard in the Sandlot. You're, oh, you're kidding me. I didn't realize. Which was many years before. Oh, wow, before. wow. Um, I think Swoozie Kurtz almost steals this fucking movie. Oh, I, my God. Unbelievable. And now that I'm in a house by myself, I can say that I see comparison. Hers is more extreme, obviously, but I can see the comparisons. Her and my... Kind oh, of wow. a little bit. Uh, how I just... I was first born, and I was still to this day super protective and trying to block me, just trying to keep me from being a normal guy. Good Lord. That, I mean, that's a little mm -hmm. deep cut there, and I'm not going to go... Yikes. I was going to say, maybe let's not. Yeah. Um, Dave Sheridan is the boyfriend, and this is a trend. I Thank God I think this is over with. Every single movie that has some sort of uh, triangle, the guy was always a douche. And I, I never know. understood what the girl ever saw in him. And I feel like that went into overdrive with, like, wedding scenes. And then every movie after that has some sort of dipshit boyfriend. Clearly yeah, wrong. Yeah, he's just, he's just a placeholder. 
for the person that they really want and that's why they can't really see how bad they are i guess yeah but it's so weird because i feel like i've seen so many movies with him lately lately um, wow i only remember the stuff he originally like you know but uh, i'm saying like things i've re-watched recently oh okay yeah ghost world of course ghost world i watched like scary movies like the one and two and he, the like do we like character or whatever in that i'm trying to so, remember he was frank mccluskey ci <laughs> and that was really? supposed to be his big <laughs> and they went straight to video and just like yeah he so, just like it was just a coincidence that I watched a movie that came out in 2000 and then two that came out in 2001 that all had him and I watched them within the last couple of months. It's just a strange coincidence because he hasn't really done that much stuff. No, no. <laughs> um, I think John Carroll Lynch, um, this must have been early yes. on before really anybody knew him. I love him, but he had yes. nothing to do in this movie. It, it kind of sucked. Well, true, but I still like that he plays a different character than he usually does it seems like he not always but often plays like kind of grow like creepy bad people See, i only know him as drew carey's brother so that's it's so weird i hear that from other people so i guess he's on american horse yeah i think that he did a uh, he's did, did multiple seasons but there's a one specific season where it's at like a a circuit it's like the circus season and he's like a killer clown named yeah. Christy. No, clowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but I think that there's something else that I know him from, and I'm just trying to, I can't remember what it is, but something else, he's kind of bad, uh, creepy in. Oh, Zodiac. Zodiac. Uh, I think that must be it, yeah, the, the Zodiac. So, um, I don't know. I think it was kind of nice that he was sort of like a sweet guy who... Uh, I don't know, was looking, who, who knew really what was best for Jimmy and kind of gave him some freedom. I, I thought it was sweet, but yeah, I mean, he didn't have a lot to work with and he uh, has a lot of potential. Do do some of the scenes make you squirm because of the way the world changed over the last 20 years? I feel like the freak show thing, maybe, yeah. was... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. There's a lot of awkwardness. I think, um, yeah, in retrospect, I think the, uh, like a huge chunk of movies wouldn't be made now, or at least not... The, Not in the same way. Right. The $500 thing could have collapsed so badly if Jimmy wasn't so in and yes. didn't realize that that was, like, kind of gross. But, yeah, it's, yes. uh, there's so many things. I think it's because Jake Gyllenhaal is so, such a sweet, adventurous boy. That's, that's what makes you fall in love with his character. And I think that's why this. Yeah, the pure innocence and the and the the way he plays that is the only reason why the movie works, honestly. But uh, I, oh, I knew this movie was going to bomb. The second I saw the comment there bragging, <laughs> the bragging point was from one of the producers of Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Not the first Ooh. Austin Powers, the shitty Austin Powers, and just yeah. one of the producers. That doesn't mean shit. How is that a selling I don't know. I thought it was really funny. One of the facts about the movie was how much Danny Trejo liked the role in this movie because he didn't die, and he, yeah. didn't have to kill, and he didn't kill anybody either. Yeah, I, I, I liked his character. I love the fact that it turned into this thing, this big circle of things. Everybody's after him or different, um, and mm -hmm. he's kind of oblivious to the whole thing. That religious cult, <laughs> led yeah. by Fabio of all people. What the hell? <laughs> um, this kind of pairs better, I would say, with uh, Dude, Where's My Car? 
Yeah, I can see that. Innoc innocent dopes with all these people trying to come after them. They don't know why. And a kind of a road trip venture, sort of, but it's all in one location. If you guys haven't seen it. Um, but I say, yeah, it's it's a fun watch. It's not very expensive. You get it for like five bucks. It's a nice, and especially a change of pace. I think this is also my fir maybe first introduction to Zach Galifianakis. Maybe. It does seem like it's really early on in his. Yes. Yeah, it's weird to think that he was kind of a dramatic actor for a while. He did this but in well, Out Cold, which are comedy. Um, but then after this, I think he got cast in True Calling, that submarine. Below. Below. Yeah, yeah. not blow, but below. It's like the Halloween howling. <laughs> um, yeah, but for a short bit there, he was a dramatic actor. He did. He was also in Into the Wild, which I didn't remember, but is also kind of... It's not really a comedy at all. I've never seen one. That's the one with um, Sean Penn directed, who dies out in Oregon or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, yeah Alaska. It's Emil also Hirsch. An, uh, yeah, that, it's a really good movie, but it's very sad. Well, to go on to other sad, strange things, Donnie Darko, mm -hmm. a movie that I am still trying to wrap my head around. I haven't seen it forever, and I was like, back then, I was so like, this is the greatest movie ever! It's the same way I would with Fight Club. Any movie that has some sort of dark... Uh, twisty, turny kind of thing I thought was the greatest thing ever. I mean, I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, some of these movies now kind of frustrate because I feel like they're listing. Not Donnie Darko, but I just watched some of these now and it's the dark tone and dead scene. Um, I mean, it's because I've lived so much more realized that life is dark enough as it is. But, okay, we're going to... So, explain to me the movie, how... So it's feeding its own timeline. Is that what's happening? He gets a vision of two different timelines streaming simultaneously in like a loop. And that's how he can stop is because he gets the but it starts over again or what? Or is it simultaneous? I don't know what is Yeah, sure. That. Okay. <laughs> but it's he's... I don't know. I don't understand the damn movie. Is it not meant to be understood? Is it like Southland Tales? Is this just the way that Richard Kelly usually works? Like Darren um, Aronofsky I... has the same problem? I kind of think that Richard Kelly might be kind of a douchebag, sorry. Um... like I think that he thinks stuff is a work of genius and he just happened to have one movie that was good. But I think it's only because, like, the acting is really good. I'm not sure. Yeah, it does seem like it climbs up his own ass. And it doesn't want yes. you to truly understand it. This is art. And I feel like timeline movies, time travel movies, are the easiest to climb up your own ass and, to, and not have to explain it. It's... Or, or dreamlike kind of movies. You know, the way uh, fucking um, David Lynch is. It's all a yeah. dream, man. Look, I like Phantasm. I don't know what the fuck is going on in Phantasm because he purposely did uh, a nightmare. And I think that's yeah. actually lazy filmmaking. I think it's a way of copying out of make makes sense. Yeah, I don't understand David Lynch. I mean, they might be visually interesting, but it doesn't mean, like, I, I mean, there's some things that I can accept that I'm never going to quite understand what's happening or at least like you know when they like just end a movie and then it just ends yeah and you're like wait but what now it's it's uh, to me it's music video uh logic music videos it's saturday a lot of, night live sketch logic yeah it's just like oh we're out we're done and, and none of it made any sense we're like wait what it's like a concept with no, I don't know, it's, it's, this one's a little bit better, I think, than a lot of those because it does seem like it's trying to tell a streamlined story, but with a very difficult plot. Yes. Like, um, I don't know if you've seen Predestination and Hawk. Have seen that one? No. He, it's one of those time loops and it's constantly feeding into itself and somehow he has a sex change that goes back in time to have sex with himself and he, his baby is, I don't fucking understand it, but <laughs> it's entertaining. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Um... But Donnie Darko uh, is the one that made his career. It really did. Yeah, October Sky got a claim and it did okay. 
but it was Donnie Darko that got all the people. It didn't do that well either time that they released it. The first time, I think it made like half a million. The second time, they're like, oh, now it's a big hit on video. Let's re-release the director's cut. And it made the same amount of money. Um, you watched the director's cut. I watched the original. Did you know? Um, I couldn't necessarily point out specific things that are different. However, I do feel like there was some things that felt more like it was, it made a little bit more cohesive story. Like it, it flowed better. I'm trying to think of an example of stuff that was in that version that wasn't in the original. Uh, I can't think right now. But if I can remember, I'll tell you. I just think that it felt more... Well, I think major thing was, did they talk about... They talked about Mother Death, right? You, How long ago did you watch it? I just watched it, like two days ago. Okay. I crammed so it mother, in. <laughs> so Mother Death, and then the whole thing about her, you know, how she was a teacher, and then she got into time oh, travel yeah, and wrote, yeah. wrote the book about the time travel. But... Is that all they talked about, or did they get into the details of the book? Not really. But they just kind of talk about her in the neighborhood or whatever, and so, she's old lady wanders back and forth. Yeah. And, but they never really get into the details, except Noah Wiley does have a conversation about yes. time loop. So after he after he like explains to him about her and shows him the book, he gives him the book and he starts like reading it, and then uh they would sh there would be there'd be clips of it like different rules and guidelines of time travel and things from her book then it would then you know show something of his behavior or his actions that explain this law of time travel um so i think there's something more cohesive about it because they get more in depth about the book and the time travel and the laws of time travel. I mean, obviously, it doesn't really matter if it's real or not, but it makes the story more, more cohesive. Right. Well, and that's, the, that's so, the rule, I think, with a lot of time travel movies. You can be absurd and crazy as possible, but you have to set your rules. It's just like monster movies. You have to have some sort of mythos and follow the rules. If right. you don't, then it's, so, it's awful. So this version has rules that weren't. I don't think are in the original version. And I do think that kind of makes... Not that I understand time travel any better, hello, but um, I think that it makes the story more cool. Um, it's it's so it's so surprising Drew Barrymore is the one responsible for getting this made. I know. When you I think know. about the movies that she was making at this time, so not what I expected. And her stuff, you know, was kind of big studio. I mean, she had just come off of Charlie's Angels, and then right. she she brings this and wild. And frankly, but about that's her, this would why she wanted to do it. Yeah, change up her image because I think what she had like the one-two punch of Wedding Singer and Ever After, which had her pigeonholed as that. Then she took Charlie's Angels. Ever After was kind of different for her, but. Oh, I forgot, never been kissed, but I think she wanted to change image of just yeah. a sweet girl, a sweet, innocent girl. And because um, before that, she was like the crazy girl. Remember that era? Yeah. Like Boys on the Side and Mad Love and, oh, yeah. and David Love. Uh <laughs> yeah, she was like the pixie, uh, what, uh, what do they call that? Manic pixie uh, dream girl. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and then she was, the, the you know, she kind of remembered herself as the sweet girl store. And then she really just mixed it up with Charlie's Angel as a badass. And this is like a more deeper uh, intellectual, but also tormented. Because Angry, what, she's, yeah. what she's trying to teach is, you know, trying to be banned in the school. And that that's that has to be hell. I mean, that's bad enough for people like you and I. Well, it must be worse for you because you're a librarian. But anybody whose life, English and 
a nightmare. And, and well, who's that fucking lady? She's always a shithead in every movie I've ever seen her in. Beth Grant. Beth Grant. Um, you know, just just the concept of, of censorship and people who are trying to uh, make choices for others, uh, especially when they almost never actually read the material themselves they are just parroting bullshit they hear from others i mean you would not believe how common it is even today you get you people demand do people demand books get taken off your shelves not as much here but lots of places in the united states especially school i remember when i was a kid people were trying to pull um huckleberry finn off the shelves and i remember uh, years later, uh, there's a whole hubbub about Harry Potter being. What's this one again? What's up by Graham Greene? Um, it's called the Destructors or something. Yeah, it's and it's such a it's such a mi- minor thing to try to pull. I was so surprised that she was fighting so hard in this, and I was like, wow, choosing that book of all things. Okay. Um, I will tell you that I went out to a bookstore found a collection of his short stories and bought the whole book just because of this poem from this movie. Oh, wow. Um, I just I just think that there's a lot going on more than the time travel. I think the time travel thing is interesting. To me, yeah. I love seeing him take down uh, Patrick Swayze and this obsession with this uh, borderline religious uh, emotional guru who's so full of shit who is selling his wares to the school. And I wonder now, when I look back, on how many people came to my school, you know, and was paid to make some sort of speech. Did they even believe in what they're doing, or did they just do it for the money? Well, the weird part is, is like, in the video clips and things like that that they showed, they never said anything. Like, it was all just speaking in circles. And you're just like, what the fuck are they even talking about? Nothing. Yeah, and I admire that Patrick Swayze did this, because yes. he's coming off an era where he was elite uh and he had a lot of bombs he got that terrible motorcycle basically was so close to going into that direct-to-video cheap world that a lot of actors go into and mm-hmm. he chose to take supporting role in independent movies now they didn't get much more we would because they were barely released but if you're going to spend the last decade of your career uh doing something do independent movies that matter yeah i and I think he really, he contributed a lot to this movie, not just the role he played, but also in the, in, I was listening to some of the directors. There's like a version with commentary with the director and Jake Gyllenhaal. And they were saying how like they went to his house. They filmed all those stupid videos at his house. He wore all of his own clothes from the eighties. You know, he really like opened up like his property and all the stuff uh for them and was just like super gracious with his his home and stuff yeah well he needed to change his image because everybody yeah. saw him as like kind of all, just all yeah. bronze and no brain and this kind of i mean i couldn't tell you a lot of movies he did after this but it kind of just look at him you know a slimy scumbag i mean what he got busted for child pornography and that kind of shatters their whole hood. It's so weird that he spends all this time being told uh, by Frank to commit these crimes. Everything has to line up in a certain way. But doesn't he undo all of that by having time loop back around in a plane accident? I'm so confused. But isn't it kind of the point that he needs to undo all this damage? Then why did he do the damage in the first place? <laughs> because he's mentally ill. See? It's confusing. So is Frank schizophrenia? Hallucinating? A voice uh-huh. from the future? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you think that 
do you think any of this was real or do you think that he was mentally ill? Well, or I mean, was it some kind of combination of both? But how did he see Frank when there when that kid know. James Duvall is dressed as Frank later in the movie? He doesn't know. By the way, his best friend is Frank. Yes, I did. <laughs> so how does he know? He's never even seen the guy before until that moment when's over How do alone. you know that he didn't actually see him though? <laughs> In the movie, they don't show them interacting, but that doesn't he didn't see him in the periphery of his life. I don't know. See, the movie doesn't make sense. This you is can't. Well, you yeah. cannot logically. I think it's hilarious just, that both of these movies, did you know there was a Bubble Boy musical? And it, I know. I knew none of these things, and now I will not rest until I see a musical version of Bubble Boy. <laughs> it's on YouTube, I, I think. <laughs> it's... I cannot die without seeing the bucket list thing. I wonder wow. if they incorporate any of the... Because so, uh, the music in uh, Bubble Boy is kind of like that pop So punk. good. Yeah, it's so much fun. And in this one, it's uh, late 80s modern rock. And, also so good. Uh, so damn. Um, but I noticed that there's a, a big part of the commentary. I Maybe mean, this has affected Richard Kelly in real life is that era. Uh, 1988 is when we were so fucking revved up is having that uh, Christian revival Republican yeah. boom post uh, we're almost post Reagan we're ready to go into Bush you know they even have that discussion the caucus what I like is the parents didn't like argue with her they're just like oh uh, all right. no I think that they were actually good parents that um let I mean they were pretty fucking understanding parents and into the uh, to the point where you know they were pretty logical about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and just like when she, when he tells her to shove the, the book up her ass or whatever. Yeah. And how like the dad starts laughing because she's a lunatic and they can't really punish him. I mean, they should because it was disrespectful, but also she's a lunatic and they know it <laughs> and he's not wrong. And, and, and I, I also heard uh, on the commentary they said, or uh, Richard Kelly said he had to leave the room. He could not be anywhere remotely near them when they filmed that scene because when she when she gives that line, uh, that he would just die laughing every single time she delivered it. He could not control himself, so he had to completely leave because it's really, really good. You're right. You know what? I think he was crazy because there's that scene soon afterwards, extremely. Yes. And I just don't know why. And it's like, he's so fucked up. And, and, and Jenna Malone tries to connect to him and ends up, oh, yeah. So he ends up getting killed because of his stupidity. Okay, so time had to go back around and, or get himself. I think that that there's a few things. Like, maybe, you know, we'll also be killed Frank. Yeah, that's right. Why do you have the gun? I missed that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually lost as to how that ever happened. Did I pick it up? The magic, well, the magic sphere took him to his parents' closet and directed him to the gun it was like frank was taking him to the gun to make him do this i don't know i just don't know if if frank is really just you know a creation of his mental illness and that he was just so disturbed that he was just creating this madness and destruction on his own uh and it doesn't have to make sense because he's mentally ill you know, no, okay. I mean, okay. I I get why he did what he did to Jim Cunning. He was a bad fucker. Yeah. Like, and he wanted, he needed people to know he was a bad person. But, um, but you know, flooding the school and you know doing all this stuff, he was so rude to everyone in his family. 
like just so unnaturally unnecessarily rude for no reason i think that he was just fucking mess you know he was on and off with his medication and that made him even more unstable unpredictable because you can't just stop taking medication and not have huge side effects learn that the hard way this week <laughs> and when, and then when you get back on your meds it takes a long time to adjust, you know? So it's just like, he was just a fucking, like, yo-yo. And he was, I don't know. Like I said, I feel like this is a movie that you can't logic. Okay. You just have to, like, I mean, for me, I just have to accept the interesting and strange things that uh, are unfolded in front of me and either enjoy it or go crazy. Yeah, your brain collapses. Yes. I find it interesting that on the cover, uh, they have everybody's name, except for one person who's extremely important to this. Uh, Mary McDonald. And Catherine Ross, too. Let's add Catherine Ross. She's a fucking legend. And I'm surprised yeah. that they didn't put either one of them on the cover. I mean, it's kind of strange because, yes, Catherine Ross is a legend. They said that she hadn't acted for, like, 15 years or something um, before this, but she was looking for a project to get back out there. And really, they were really lucky to get her. But by God, Mary McDonald is so amazing. She's amazing in, like, everything she does. Yeah. And honestly, she's kind of a legend in her own right. And such a good actress. And, yeah, it's strange. I mean, her name's not even on the poster. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's. It's. I guess they just wanted to fit the five. They, so the cover, I don't know if it changed for yours. <laughs> Uh, the original cover is Frank's head, his mask, whatever, and they fit every face around that mask and cranny. Um, mm -hmm. The new release is just Frank, but um, I guess they just want to fit the faces in every open spot, and they could only fit five. I don't know, but Noah Wiley doesn't particularly belong on the cover of this. He's only no, in it but, for like five minutes. But was it still during his, like, uh... It is ER days. ER days, and that's why. <sighs> so the original movie poster has the same image you're talking about, I think. Uh, but it says Jake Gyllenhaal, Jenna Malone, Drew Barrymore, Mary McDonnell in the top row, Catherine Ross, Patrick Swayze, Noah Wiley in the second row. So I think that was the original movie poster. Oh, okay. But I'm, I'm seeing an enormous amount of different covers. This does seem like the kind of movie they need to sell internationally, probably worldwide, because ER was yeah. a massive hit. It just surprised me, because I'm sitting there watching going, wait, how the fuck is Catherine Ross in this and no one made any mention? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think that the cover, there's a there's a 10th anniversary edition where it's like Jake Gyllenhaal with his like axe oh, over yes. his okay, shoulder yeah. and then Frank behind him. I think that's a really misleading cover. Like it makes it look like a horror movie. Right. I mean it's dark, but it's not like um It is. American I mean Psycho. it is called Donnie fucking Narco. Yeah. Hello. Did you see the sequel at all? S no. Narco? I don't have any interest in it seems like it's just purely to make some um but you know Richard Kelly apparently this is... girl oh sorry I was gonna say this girl did like the ring and stuff not the next year you know stuff like that so she was kind of I think oh she also I don't know if you know this she also does the voice of Lilo and Lilo and Stitch oh no I know no she's actually done a lot of stuff and I think they were kind of riding on her coattails uh instead oh okay uh I don't know 
The, uh, I'm, I'm maybe one day I'll... Uh, nah. it says here Richard Kelly is working on a sequel because that's what happens when it dries up. <laughs> it's like the guy who keeps making Boondock Saints movies even though no one wants a part three. <laughs> uh, he said he was inspired after meeting James Cameron in 2010 who found the film disturbing and had Kelly explain what happened to Donnie at the film. Pretty... <laughs> but he says continue working on the project and that there's something big and epic that could be... Shut up! Richard Kelly, so... has he made anything since the box? Am I wrong? No. He hasn't. Wow. Uh, so I just this movie uh, S Darko is um, has a three point six on IMDb, which is pretty fucking low. Yeah. But it does have John Hawks. Oh, ouch. and and a couple and Matthew Davis, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, and some other uh, also Elizabeth Berkeley. So that kind of uh, evens out all everybody. Um, I'm mildly curious because of that, but honestly, it's probably just an American Psycho 2 thing, you know? Oh, yeah. Fuck like, what? What the hell? Why did you make this movie that has no, barely any connection to anything? You're grasping at straws, and it sucks. So, the end. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, I, is there anything else you want to say about the movie before we go? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting because when you go back and eat uh, you know, I, I have seen many times. I will tell you that when it came out, I was in one, you know, I saw probably, I mean, I didn't see it at the theater. I saw it on video. So it was, you know, 21, 22. My college experience was very uh, disturbing for me. I think I was very much looking for like, uh, I think rebellion and, and stuff in the situation because of the situation I was in was very uh, smothering. Yeah. So I think that I really latched on to stuff like this at that time, like, oh, uh, you know, the one with, um, oh, like, virgin suicide. This, I'm not saying that I was suicidal by any means. I'm just no, saying. No, no, darker, like, dark, more complex movies, like Requiem for dark, a Dream, Fight dark, Club. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Dark, more complex ideas, Matrix. rebellion, stuff like that really resonated with me at that time. Um, and so I, I saw this movie so many times and I was so into it. And I will, I, I'm not, it wasn't the reason why I love Jake Gyllenhaal. That was October Sky. Like that was several years before this. But, you know, uh, I saw so many of his movies in the theater. I, I saw, I drove like to the next town so I could go see Good Girl at the independent movie theater. You know, I had years long love affair with Jake Gyllenhaal because of stuff like this. And anyway, so I think, you know, I haven't seen the movie in a long time. And while I think there's more of me now, at a, clearly a, a 20 years later, in a different place in life that I prefer to have more, I'd still like to have more understanding than just to accept the darkness. But I still can appreciate the movie, especially now I think a different viewpoint of, you know, appreciating the acting and also... The perspective of the parents seems a little bit different to me now. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I, I really do think her perf- McDonald. Yes, yes. But also looking back, and it has been several years. All of the people that you were like, oh, I didn't know you. Like Seth Rogen was his like I think first movie. Alex, what's his name? Greenwald, who is the lead singer of the called. I have no idea who that. Is. Uh, he was. He's the lead singer of a band with um. Uh, California. Oh, Phantom Planet? 
fan of Planet. Singer fan of Planet. He was the bully with Seth Rogen. Okay. Um, he uh, also Ashley Tisdale of all people was like I think her first role where she probably 12 years old, has brown hair, and, like, doesn't look like herself. Uh, Fran uh, Krantz, you mentioned. Just, you know, so many people, like, kind of on the fringes of things. The girl who plays, like, uh, Charita, what is her name? She went on to do tons of other things. Um, You know, just lots of, like, little things that kind of all add together to make it you know, really interesting. A lot of these people generally are more supporting characters. Like Beth Grant is usually a much more supporting character. She doesn't get to be like, I don't know, a bad guy who gets to have stick that. Um, so I think it wasn't a cast. And yeah, frankly, he got super fucking lucky with how good of a cast he got. Yeah, for such a, I mean, I, I didn't know it was, I know it's low budget. When I looked at it, 4.5, I was like, oh, that's more than I thought. Um, mm-hmm. Because... Uh, it must have mostly gone to the cast and the music. The music had a bit, but it does I mean, really evoke it. They had to do a couple of inter- interesting effects, you know. But it's too, uh, but... it's just too bad that it wasn't successful. Like I said, I looked it up. It was a big hit at Sundance Festival, but it came out right after 9-11, and the whole plane yes. is part of the plot, and they had to just basically yes. put in art house cinemas, and that was it. I don't think it was ever really going to be a big hit anyway. It's just too complicated. Yeah, they had said that they thought... Um, that it was going to have to go, it was going to go straight to video or straight to like cable, like stars or something. But I think somebody helped them, like, I don't know, Kevin Smith or something helped them get it, get more um, more buzz and get it picked up by Mm -hmm. somebody. I don't remember if it really was Kevin Smith, but I think he's friends with Richard Kelly. Um, Because on the DVD version I have, there is a commentary that Richard Kelly does with Kevin Smith. Oh, okay. Um, so that might be kind of an interesting experience. But um, I think, yeah, between Drew Barrymore and I think Kevin Smith, I think it got, it may not have even gotten a release in the theater at all. But they did talk about how 9-11 really, um, you know, definitely could have had some effect on things. But no, I don't, was really, it, this, this is not a movie that's meant for, you know. But th- that era was that. weird, though, because you were getting movies, like, out of nowhere that were strange, that were making money, like Memento and stuff like that. that Butterfly shouldn't have... effect. Yeah, it's some of these movies that you're shocked and made money. That spot where we're interested in darker stories. Uh, and that's that's pretty much... Um, that stuff yeah. seems more relegated, just like the Bull Boy, you know, like, silly stuff is all streaming. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think it's very interesting now how, how much things have changed. How even things that are seemingly big budget are straight to streaming networks. I can't believe the budget's on some of these. The red notice is like $175 million. I'm like, what? Oh my god. Yeah. How do yeah, you make your really money back? About, but it's, it's really about who, who has more money. Yeah, and they're all going to go broke eventually. I'm telling you yep. right now, No, at the a decade oh, yeah. from now, maybe two of them will be standing. And it ain't going to be yeah. Netflix. It is not going to be Netflix unless they buy a no. studio. They need I to buy a studio. So, yeah. Yeah, they have to buy like Lions or Paramount or somebody to supply their... Um, so that is it for this episode. Check us out on Facebook under Hit Rewind Podcast. You'll find all our episodes there. And that's it.